Hello, welcome to the Poetry Bath with me, Sean Thomas. My guest in this episode and the next is Claire Best. Claire is author of eight pamphlets and collections, and her prose memoir, The Missing List, was a finalist in the Mislexia Memoir Competition in 2014 to 15. Her latest collection, Beyond the Gate, is published by Warple Press, and she says that she is particularly interested in landscape, the body, and life writing. And it's really that connection between those things that draws me to her work. So yes, do please sit back and enjoy lots of Claire's poetry and plenty of chat. Welcome to the Poetry Bath. Well, it's wonderful. <laughs> I love being in a bath, so and thank you very much for inviting me. <laughs> um, and Claire, now, uh, I was going to ask you, I think we, we should plunge straight in. You, you very kindly sent me three of your books months ago. Um, and, and one of the things that strikes me uh, it, uh, reading them is, is your relationship to water, your feelings about water. Um, I wonder if you could kick us off with a watery poem, and then perhaps we could talk about water. Um, I think we're probably going to spend the entire the entire interview talking about water, aren't we? I, th I think we are one way or another. <laughs> um, yeah, so well, I I wanted to start with one that actually is very close it, or originated very near your part of the world. It's uh, a poem called Geological Section, which I wrote as part of the Springlines project. And Springlines, I worked with Marianne Aiton Ellis, who's a wonderful painter. We looked at hidden and mysterious bodies of water across the south of England. And this poem is based on Tunbridge Wells. So geological section um, originated as from the idea of looking at all the layers of, of rock and looking at how water comes through uh, into in a spring really. Of, of course there are many springs aren't there around Tunbridge Wells and they're very special ones. Geological section in the fine-grained sand of the faulted valley, the Calibiate spring keeps rising through layers of mottled clay, with seams of ironstone, siderite or calibite, weathering to heavy soil starved of lime, oozing rusty ferrous water. Rain falls on this ground, seeps down dip, gathering in the hollow floored by Wadhurst clay. The spring rises where the water table meets the surface, floored by Wadhurst clay. The spring rises, seeps down dip, gathering in the hollow. Rain falls on this ground, oozing rusty ferrous water, weathering to heavy soil starved of lime, with seams of ironstone, siderite or calibite. Through layers of mottled clay, the Calibiate spring keeps rising, in the fine-grained sand of the faulted valley. Lovely. It feels so Wealdon. I'm glad it does. 
I'm glad it does. And it's a, a specular poem. It's arranged as a as a reflection of itself with a, with a, the one line in the centre where the water table meets the surface is the hinge. It's it's a wonderful device and perfect, of course, for a spring because because of course rain falls and 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 then and then water rises again. I I loved the way that you, could you give me that that wonderful line about the oozing, uh, rusty water again? Yes. Well, in the first part of the poem, it appears as uh, seams of ironstone, siderite or calibite, weathering to heavy soil, starved of lime, oozing rusty, ferrous water. Lovely. It's, it, I think it's doubly lovely because, of course, we have an ooze here. Yes. But it's it's not just the, that, that it's the act of oozing, but also ooze in Sussex is a noun. It's a, the yeah. name of a of a river. Absolutely. So it's kind. There's kind of onomatopoeic thing going on, isn't there? Yeah. 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 Gorgeous. Thank you. Um, so, are you consciously aware of uh, a feeling for water? Yes, and I always have been. Always. Uh, I think one of my well, according to my mother, who who used to, you know, hang on to these early words of her children. One of my first words or phrases was for the sea, uh, which I loved. And and I called it a big paddling pool. <laughs> not not as well articulated as that, but but it was always a place I absolutely loved. And my grandmother had a house by the sea at Bex Hill, and we used to go down when I was very small and spend every day, you know, on the beach in the sea. And um, so I certainly I, I was I loved water right from the start. Yeah. And when did you start writing about water? Now, there's thought. I think it was well, I, I certainly ha had water appeared in my early poems. And in fact, I was going to read one that was in my first full collection excisions um which i think i think i've started work on this poem oh it must be 20 years ago so uh, but it feels like it it captured something that that is very true of my nature and also it it somehow brings in the idea of water as uh, a, a kind of um a tool of divining almost a a way of looking at the future, at the past, a, a kind of a lens, a particular lens, I think, over life. And this poem, very appropriately, is just called Bath. I am four years old. My bath is the kitchen sink on a January night. An engine wind. The air's crumpet warm, familiar. On the stove, a massive pan hisses steam from its chimney lid. My mother's voice, close, humming, as she lifts me, sits me on scrubbed wood. She hugs me in a rough towel, rubs my back. I look beyond her, over the cliff of her shoulder, a green sea crashing in. 
The air is crumpet warm. Yes. <laughs> yes, then, I love a crumpet. <laughs> <laughs> and then I love the way that in the end of that, that poem, we, we, we travelled so far that the, it was a green sea crashing in, that suddenly there was so much more going on than just being bathed at the sink. It was amazing. A very strong um, sense, sensory memory of of those baths in the sink too, and I can still feel on my skin that the. Do you remember those sort of wooden ridged draining boards that probably now are very fashionable again? But I just remember being sat on that, you know, very small, and and this tremendous awareness of there being a whole lot of something beyond my mother, beyond her shoulder. A whole lot of something, so for the sea again. Yes, yes. And so and also then this sense of divining, you were talking about water as a, a tool for divining, um, and and just the, that it's the sea that's coming crashing in. And uh, so I'm curious to know in what ways you have seen the future in water. Wow, that's a that's a really difficult question. Um, I th I think at the moment I see every time we have one of these storms, and and every time I see a river that's burst its banks or um, terrible pictures on the news of of floods all over the world, I I think that sense of water being unstoppable is is huge and that somehow all our futures are going to be defined by what water does in the world whether it is or isn't there I mean it's the key to all life isn't it but it's also this immense wild force that we can no longer control it, it's an illusion that we ever could I suppose but you know, we put it behind dams, didn't we? And we stored it and we, you know, we we thought we'd kind of conquered the seas by <laughs> using them for our own purposes and so on. Um, so I suppose that I see, in a way, every time I, I, I look at water, I see something that it, it's telling us <laughs> about how how we live and how we will have to live. It's a really... Yeah, really uh, um, powerful answer. And, um, yeah, I, exactly. I was just reminded when you were saying that we 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 kind of we convinced ourselves that we had conquered water. I'm thinking about military might and how Britain became so powerful because of its ships. And of course, now now the sea is 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 as you say, the sea is 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 water is the thing that we are uh, uh, facing that we are facing rising sea levels and um, and floods and catastrophe environmental catastrophe um, it's really interesting and I was when you when you said water being unstoppable and I was thinking of course it's the water is unstoppable and the future is unstoppable and there's yeah. your sea again coming in as a little girl, yes, yes. I, I don't. I don't know why. Why we um, 
we haven't been alert, you know sort of aware of it enough but it seems very odd to me it's an anomaly i suppose in in human thought in the hu- in the human way of being that we haven't we still refuse don't we in a way to accept that that this is what's happening um and and what we have to do to ameliorate the effects of it we can't stop them any longer but even to sort of make them slightly less is is difficult but water's also very playful um and i think that that aspect of water too i find fascinating the you know the water that flows over a, a over a weir and and the sounds it makes and the the way it dances and the way it holds light and color um so it, it's important not to lose sight of that to think of it only as catastrophic is is sort of too doom laden i think yes absolutely um and and also which then takes us on to the idea of of art and the creation of art um and and how we can play with water uh, in, and of course, I know that you have a strong association with music. You've worked a lot with uh, in uh, music as well. Um, and uh, yes, I mean, could you could you give us an well? Could you just give us another poem, please, Claire? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I have lined up "Water Spirit" uh, uh, as the next, actually, which is which is timely. It's nice that it's worked out like this. So, where I grew up in East Sussex. We lived in a house that had a natural spring in the garden. And somebody had very cleverly, years before, channeled this natural spring into a pond, a a wild swimming pond, effectively. It was lined with concrete, but it was full of crested newts and all sorts of wonderful things. And that is where I learned to swim, in this wild, very, very cold pool. And somehow this poem water spirit is um has its origins in that in that pool water spirit jack squats by the weed green pool watching water tumble swirl and ditch chasing into the drowned dark endless flow work all sap skin jack sinks into rising wet black head dipping under and up, the fierce joy ache of his frozen skull and the red iron tang making him flip kick, spit laugh, shiver grin. Wind hints, trick track, air teases water, teases Jack, resting in the deep ink dark under. Wind cricked, Jack slow turns, Lift drifting, quicker now, swells and churns, black stroke blue, mud spins, curls, reaches up, bending into slip light. Slick backed, all awake, Jack breaks through and surface dances, trembling with ripple work. I'm so glad you read that poem. That's one of my favourites so far um I, I loved it when i read it in your uh in your which collection does that come from well it's it's now in uh my new collection 
beyond the gate. Yes. It, it started off as part of the Spring Lines project as well. In fact, it was the first poem that I wrote for that project. And I think that was very much to do with it being this kind of essence of water, this 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 life force in, in the water. Yeah. It's wonderful. I love the way that you use uh, um, that you use these compound words to give us something new. And it, it it's such a vital piece because of those, uh, or partly because of those. And it's incredibly musical. Um, I loved and it was the drowned drowned dark. Drowned dark, um, yes. yes. And, and then ink dark, slip light, surface dances. It's wonderful. It's incredibly active, vital uh feeling. And and so it's Jack, is Jack a real person? No, no, he he's not. He's a he's one of those Jacks that we meet a lot in the um in the English language, the the sort of mythical Jack figures that that are everywhere. Yeah. Which is exactly how he sounds, how he seems. And it's wonderful that you begin. What's the your opening line again? Do you read that? Jack squats by the weed green pool watching water. It's it's so absolutely uh, a folkloric and I feel him Jack Jack the fact that he starts squatting he feels partly human but partly something other yeah something slightly elfin perhaps I yeah I see that and then somehow he he's he's both by the water and in it you know he's he's immersed yeah yeah wonderful thank you it was fun to write <laughs> <laughs> I bet um so you grew up in this house which had a natural, had a spring that fed your own swimming, uh, uh, natural swimming pond. So that's wonderful. It's no wonder then that 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 there's so much water if you're visiting the sea and and had this spring cold uh, swimming pond as well, full of newts and full of wildlife. So. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a stupid question to say, to, did it give you an early love of nature? Obviously it, it did. Um, do you have another poem that speaks to that time? Not so much to my own childhood, but I was going to read one that that, that is kind of based on my love for the sea, but also my son's love for the sea. Brilliant. Um, and it was something when we we used to live in London when he was very small and, and we moved out down to Lewis when he was three, Freddie was three. And for quite a long while, um, it rained and rained and rained that winter, more water. And, and for our kind of expeditions when he was that age, it was either football in the park, which he pretty quickly realised I wasn't any good at, or... It was going to the sea at Seaford and throwing pebbles and all the things that you do on a shingly beach. So this uh, this poem actually is very close to my heart because it takes me right back to that time and and in a sense to my own love of the sea and my own childhood and, and my memories of Bexhill. And I called it Winter Seaford Beach. Every day, the woman, the boy, from a wind-rocked car on the esplanade, in layers of clothing, one, two, three, over and over, down shingle scarps, 
filling pockets with stones to lob into waves. And he always asks, as they stand and stare, why does the sea want us closer and closer? And once again, that that sense of, of a direct relationship with the sea. Yes, it's a, it's a kind of a conversation, isn't it? And that is almost like a tide in itself, I suppose. And he still loves the sea and now lives in Brighton. So it feels like that element is very important in his life as well. How interesting and how interesting that he was that he also has something mystical to 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 say about the sea. How wonderful. Yes, yes, yes. He was very good at well, I think children are, they're very good at asking these big questions. And somehow we forget how to do that, I think, for a while. <laughs> well, that's probably all we have time for for the moment. Um, so Claire, I thank you for this episode and and we will we will see you in the next. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, and thank you. You've been listening to The Poetry Bath with me, Sean Thomas, and my guest, Claire Best. Our theme tune was composed and performed by Nigel Horn. And do please join me next time for more of Claire's poetry and more conversation. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you.